Hey folks, just a quick note. This is an intentionally sober episode. Special request of our guest. All right, let's get into it. Let's go, go, go. All right, welcome back to Poems and Whiskey. Uh, I'm Michael, your host and uh, resident armchair pseudo-intellectual. Tonight, I have with me uh, Joseph Fasano. Joseph, welcome, and uh, tell everybody who the fuck you are. <laughs> I wish I could say, if I, th- on the day when I finally figure it out, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a call back, Michael. No, it's, it's great. We'll, we'll it's, have you back on the show. It'll <laughs> be a debut episode. <laughs> it's, no, it's great to, it's great to be here and um you know if, if if folks are tuning in who who maybe followed me on social media they might know me as as a poet and might know me as a novelist um i do both of those things sometimes uh, maddeningly at the same time uh, <laughs> i scribble some songs when i can i uh, teach students as well as i can and uh for the past 14 months i've been a dad as well as i i can so juggling all those things uh and uh, and trying to trying to succeed at at least one of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of balls in the air, mm-hmm. man. That's a, yeah. How do you like uh, how do you like being a dad, a new dad? I love it. I love it. I mean, I'm I'm getting a bit of a a bit of a late start, um, and I'm in my 40s, and um, so I kind of you know I had my my time um, to do to sort of be a little wild and do do the things I needed to do, and uh, he's great. He's great. He's totally transformative, and um, you know it's it's really been a whole new way of looking at the world, thinking about things, uh, the grammar, as it were, of my existence has has changed um you know it doesn't mean as as you know you're a parent doesn't mean yeah, it's always yeah, yeah. always roses but um it's it's a beautiful <laughs> it's a beautiful kind of struggle <laughs> and everything changes like they don't you don't quite grasp exactly how large of a change that is mm-hmm. i mean yeah you have a baby and you're you have the weight of the responsibility and the beauty of the newness and and it just the way it transforms year after year uh, and challenges you <laughs> year after year and brings up a lot of things you thought you'd been done with year mm. after year. Mm. <laughs> mm. Nothing else does that like parenthood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's well said. That's well said. I, I can imagine it's, um, you know, we all have these ghosts in us and, and they get kicked up at different times, you know. <laughs> yeah. So we'll we'll see how it goes. Right now, he's, he's just running around like a wonderful little madman so all right so now i don't know if you've listened before but i start off with uh with a few uh, <laughs> hard-hitting questions okay um, <laughs> i'm ready for that right, so, I, I like that all right buckle in mm-hmm. we, we talk about this philosophically all right so no uh, <laughs> uh why poetry like what brought you to it was it school was it uh something that you found on your own family influence um yeah, no i mean i i come from uh, a little town in in the hudson valley of new york state and my family is wonderful people but not um literary <laughs> not literary not um artistic in that way you know my brothers uh, when i went into things like engineering and business my father's a very ah. successful businessman so um i 
you know, didn't really have a script for how to make that life happen. And as a matter of fact, when I was younger, um, it was mostly, you know, I was very into, interested uh, in mathematics and the sciences. And I thought that's what I was really going to do with my life. It was only when I got to, to college that, you know, I found some people, some, some friends, some contemporaries who, you know, enabled me with that horrible drug of poetry. And, um, <laughs> you know, it was really something that, that I always say I, I fought it for as long as I could. And, and it was just something that I, I really found that I needed to do. I experimented with different, um, you know, I was painting for a while, but the, for me, it had to be language. It had to be language, it had to be the musicality of the language. Um, it wasn't early in my career predicated on story at all. And so mm. for that reason, it was, um, you know, it was poetry and it still is. What grabbed you about it? Like what, can you remember where that shift happened? I think that, you know, when one starts to read poetry, um, there's there's something that happens in you it's as though all the atoms all the molecules in your body sort of get realigned somehow and you think now i remember this story that the great poet james dickey told uh, he was asked by a friend of his what started you on poetry and instead of giving this big metaphysical answer he said oh it was just one word and he quoted this lovely line um you know uh, apollo springing naked to the light uh, i think the line goes something like and all his island shivered into flowers and he said just the Ooh. idea that, that that an island could shiver into flowers and so you know poets i think understand that that great question of why poetry i think you write for many years without even having a, a conscious sense of it but it's that intoxication mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's for everybody has that shivered into flowers kind of moment you know there's a line or there's a um, you know for me it wasn't a particular line but 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 poets that it just intoxicated me and uh, right. and it is that right it becomes a kind of addiction uh, and it's the best kind of addiction of of all the vices you could have, I suppose. <laughs> so <laughs> you gotta cut right to it. Where I, I later on I had I had planned um so poetry or writing or creating in general, um, you would call that faith or an act of faith. <laughs> would, would you say that's fair? Uh yeah, I think it's sometimes I mean two thoughts come to my mind. <laughs> One would be what is it faith in and then my immediate answer yeah. is faith in the the other the, the the other soul that can sort of hear you although sometimes poetry feels like faith in nothing at all just faith the act of faith you know it's it's uh, right the, the painter francis bacon once said i'm an optimist and someone asked him about what and he said nothing <laughs> I, I love that idea. Yeah. I'm just I'm an optimist about nothing. So it's a sort of attitude toward things. But yeah, I think poetry is an act of faith. It's that great leap right. across the abyss between subjects, subjectivities. So since it is something that is an act of faith, do you find that if it is belief, a belief in self or a belief in this idea that is also doubt. Like you have to have the doubt if you're going to have belief and it to even be an act of faith to begin with. Yeah, I do. And I think that's so it's the, a, a type of quest. 
mm-hmm. questions, questing. Yeah, I think that's really beautifully said. I hadn't thought to, to phrase it that way. I will say that the first thought that comes to my mind is that, you know, poetry is, is a space that can hold contradiction, that can express contradiction. Poems right. are built on this dialectical energy. And so when you think, you know, it has faith and the shadow of faith is doubt, um, you mm-hmm. know, it has all these these antipodes. You 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 say one thing. Robert Lowell used to speak about what he called the terrible not, N-O-T, not K-N-O-T, and the idea that, you know, you say one thing and the shadow of that thing is also there in the poem. Um, So one of the reasons why poets might make good revolutionaries, but poems really don't, because the moment you try to be, (laughs) the moment you try to be one, you know, one-sided with something or state something, um, the, the poem wants to say the other thing as well. It wants to be whole. It doesn't want to be perfect. Hmm. That's interesting. I agree. So what what makes a poem then? I think, you know, the there's no recipe, of course. It's like what is the um what is the 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 the, the legal definite what was that case, the legal definition of <laughs> pornography or something. It's like we can't say yeah. but we know it when we see it. Right. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. And you know, it's something like Thank that. You, it's something like that. But there's um there's a quality of inevitability. I think a lot of poets and a lot of critics have have expressed that. There's there's a way to you know, like when you get get to the end of a poem and you feel that it clicks perfectly. Well, you could dissect that endlessly, and and I am the kind yeah. of person who does. You're talking about rhythm. You're talking about sound. You're talking about imagery. You're talking about white space on the page now for the printed work, and you know that's what we do as as writers and as myself as a teacher of poetry so that question unfolds itself week by week month by month semester by semester i mean i taught a class on prose poetry relatively recently and i told Mm -hmm. the students Mm -hmm. we're not going to define we'll never get to the point where we define exactly what a prose poem is we're going to proceed socratically and dialectically about it and yeah and and you know we didn't arrive instead we went on a journey and wrote some pretty interesting things studied some interesting things so um yeah what was something uh what's something that you remember like any of those uh journeys or examples stand out to you well one of the things yeah one of the things we talked about was um the idea of how the expectation that the reader brings to the piece is so Mm. very important and very essential in the actual forming um, of the piece, right? How it's received. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if I, if I give you a block of text and I tell you, uh, it's a printout of an email that a buddy sent to me. Um, you're going to read it in one way. And if I tell you this is a prose poem, you're going to read it in another way. It's not going to necessarily right. validate it as an aesthetic object, but um, the space that announces itself as poetic loosens the mind a little bit so that you're maybe looking for different things or you're not looking for certain things. You're not looking for a little um, you know, nugget of truth that you can distill from it. You're not necessarily looking for causal relationships, that sort of stuff so that was one thing we talked about we because we were thinking about the prose poem but we were particularly thinking about it you know as um you know how do we how do we consume i hate that word but how do we consume poetry and prose poetry you know um nowadays so so how is it announced to us as belonging to a certain um genre how are we reading it online or 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 in different spaces so these this question of expectation and receipt of the aesthetic object is, is very important 
Hmm. When you're writing specifically, uh, specifically po- poetry, um, I've only gotten like a little bit through the Swallows of Lunetto. <laughs> That's okay. But, it's a long one. <laughs> well, I did finish Fugue for Other Hands, so I'm really right. bringing that up. <laughs> um, do you set out with an audience in mind? Are you aiming for anybody particular or did you free fall? I think that, uh, well, those are my choices, huh? No, <laughs> no, uh-huh, uh-huh. no. <laughs> I think that, um, I think that secret third option, you know, I could say that I could say that, no, I don't have an audience in mind, but I really think what happens is maybe I won't speak generally. I'll talk about myself, but over the course of my writing career, it's not that I didn't have an audience in mind at first, but, but that it clarified itself to me over the years. I mean, of course, quite Mm -hmm. literally, Mm -hmm. I didn't have an Mm -hmm. audience. I mean, you start writing poems (laughs) and you're, you know, you maybe have an audience of two or three and there are people who are compelled to read your poems in workshop or something like that. But yes, you, you have, you, there's a teacher you might be in love with in this beautiful platonic Mm. way. There's a there's right. the, the the parent who never heard a certain part of you. There are all these things that get you know combined and distilled into one imaginary uh, reader. Um, right. And I think right. that yes, but uh, and I would say for different projects, there are different um, there are different readers in mind. Um, right. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, I don't. That's uh, that's a new answer. That uh, every writer brings the, the, their own audience in the way that's a reflection of themselves. That's yeah. I mean, you're always speaking to you're always speaking to some ghosts on some level. I mean, I think right. that the life of art is just hmm. one long attempt to appease. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You're yeah, you're yeah, raising yeah. the dead. You're trying to bury the dead. You're you're speaking to the living. <laughs> you're trying to speak to the the fourteen year old version of yourself who really could use that poem right now. You know, it's it's all of those things. Um, and and it's and it's interesting way to look at writers i mean sometimes it's it's more interesting to look at other writers than oneself and you say okay well what did, what does whitman mean by you right um right, as opposed right. to uh to what another writer might mean so um but it comes back to that question of faith faith in the other right so you believe right. you believe you believe against all odds that there is there is somebody out there who desperately needs to hear what you're saying right now as much as you desperately need to say it and maybe there are some moments in the writing career when the the i and the you seem like the same thing and and maybe maybe there there are times when it's very different but you're still just scratching that itch you're trying to get that poem out that just needs to be needs to be said what do you find the difference for you writing wise between poetry and um uh, some narrative like swallows well apart from th- that which you just mentioned which is which is the whole aesthetic question of building a story right apart from that um the way i often think about it is you know, there's this story about Mozart that is probably an apocryphal story, but nonetheless, it's really, it's really, <laughs> it's it's an interesting one. And he's said to have been asked uh, what his favorite kind of music 
was. And he is said to have replied, no music, which either means he was burnt out, you know, from traveling mm -hmm. around since he was five. No, it probably really meant that. <laughs> fair. Know, I mean, fair. fair totally honestly, fair. Like. <laughs> but I think probably what he meant, if he, did, if, he, if he did indeed say it, is that the, you know, the notes are there to give the silences meaning. And so for me, the question mm -hmm. of silence mm -hmm. has always mm -hmm. been so important uh, in, in writing. I mean, I, you know, maybe it's because I was raised with certain silences in my family, things I couldn't say, things I couldn't say to myself. But for me, the art of poetry then, right, the, the silences mm -hmm. become a part of the craft. So it's where the silences within and between words, lines, sejuras, punctuations, et cetera, et cetera. But then for prose, one begins to think, in addition to all those grammatical and wonderful craft aspects, where, where you begin to think, what are the silences within and between characters, which is, mm -hmm. which is a, you know, a whole other universe of consideration. And for me, um, you know, dialogue is just so... It's fun to write. It's fun to write dialogue. It is. It you is. Know? It really is. Yeah. You get to just channel these voices and these ghosts and, and let them go. I'm working on a <laughs> brand new novel now that I just started a couple days ago and just letting the characters finally speak is just... Oh, it's, it's, it's That's, good. That is so fucking cool. It is so fucking yeah. cool. Um, there was a... My my first novel is very much a very much a first novel, <laughs> but I've been working on it. I've been working on it since I was young. The original concept was when I was uh, twelve, wow. maybe something like that. And then I'd I'd finished it um, roughly mm, twelve or so, thirteen years ago by now. But I knew I'd finished it because finally, or unfortunately. <laughs> Uh, the characters stop talking. Yeah, the just, voices grow silent. Was, yeah. Wow. Yes, I had been living with them for years, and I knew the book was finally done because they were no longer talking to me, and that was bonkers. That That's was bonkers. Wild. Was that sad? Was, was that so sad quiet. for you? Was it, it was. Sad? Yeah. It was. I went through. I went through a whole grief process. Yeah, yeah. And which included not being able to even look at the book anymore yep. like i just had to move away my my relationship with with creating has been this um interesting push and pull like i didn't even get back into poetry until um really into poetry with a purpose until um last year mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah i'd gone through a long period of of nothing um life <laughs> yeah, yeah which is the life, life will do it to you yeah which is the opposite <laughs> of nothing and sometimes you know all these works are, are ripening inside us in a way but i can relate to that i know what you mm -hmm, mean mm -hmm. you know finishing or fin finishing that first full draft of a book which just feels like there's elation but it's just also oh my it's devastating um yeah. you know and uh, you know all the processes along the way there are times when you're excited when you should be excited and other times when you know everyone around you is like why are you not excited about x y or z and you want to be like, oh, <laughs> yeah that's yeah for the same reason that you you know yeah so yeah i had a i had a very inter i i recently um something i'd submitted had been accepted and it's 
coming out maybe out by now i don't know time works funny when you're doing shit like this but Mm -hmm. um (laughs) i had a whole response that was not happy and i was stunned by my own reaction after i realized hmm maybe i should be happy about this being accepted instead of uh shut down (laughs) yeah interesting I get it. The deeper you get into your career, too, you know, the the on some level, I think the reasons for writing stay the same um, because, yeah. you know, you just you're just still talking to those same ghosts. Or you're still working stuff out, et cetera. But on another level, um, they really do change, you know, like right now in my writing life, when I was, um, you know, when I was younger, you know, Again, I was writing for what I what I felt were just sort of pure reasons from inside me. But I would set goals for myself and I would say, like, all right, I want to have a book by the time I'm 30 or something like that. And yeah, I was fortunate yeah. enough to. Ambitious. Yeah. And I was fortunate enough to, to <laughs> kind of just barely make it um, with my first book. And then you publish more books and you have ups and you have downs. And, mm-hmm. you know, right mm-hmm. now my attitude toward it all is just so changing you know it's it's just um we could talk more about that but it's like yeah you know i i love i I love publishing books and that's great but but the question of like literary journals or you know my my ambition has changed i just want to reach people i just i don't really think about it in terms like that um you know i kind of let go the idea of prizes or uh, being fashionable or you know whatever it is and i just think you know you get at least for myself you know i'm gonna be 41 years old i'm i'm a dad now um still have all this language in me burning to be said but i don't know i sort of look at my kid at night and i think i really don't care if i publish in this or that magazine and and all that is just lifting and allowing me to sort of say some things and write some things that maybe I wouldn't have in the past. Not that any of it was ever in bad faith. I mean, I really meant it and it was really there. But yeah, you just kind of uh, start to understand these writers who, um, you know, achieve some things and then not walk away from it, but but just start just it's just about the language, you know, you know what I mean? I do, I do actually. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a little bit different on 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 my end, but absolutely, absolutely. Uh, it's still the question. I'm not looking for mm, acclaim or anything along those lines. It's it's. I'm just doing it, and it's a compulsion. Yeah. Um, I mean, a good one, a good one. But it's I. It's nice if people like it. I'm pleased <laughs> uh, and listen you know, I don't it, find it, it like yeah no I mean it, you know the sun's gonna explode do you know what I mean that's the way I look at yeah. it you know it's yeah. it's it, yeah. it's yes. you know I mean it's it, I, I really have been thinking a lot about that and I don't even know if I'm thinking about it I'm feeling it 
you know, and who knows how yeah. I'll feel when, when I listen back to this, when this comes out in, in you know, a couple of weeks. But right now, there is this feeling of, uh, you know, you, you, the sun's going to explode. You know, even Shakespeare's yeah. texts are not going to last. Yeah. And so why are you doing it? Well, I have yeah. spiritual ideas about that, which I'll get, we'll talk about another time. But beyond that. No, we can totally <laughs> talk about that now. We can, like, doesn't have to be right this second. But well, in this yeah, we'll program, that it. would be, we'll, yes. Yeah, we'll get into it. Well, I think you, I think you have to, you have to look at it and say, all right, look, okay, I'm making a lot of sacrifices. Um, I am, you know, there are times when I'd rather go outside and be with my kid and instead I'm going to work on this book. And, you know, when you're 25, when you're 30, when you're 35, I don't know. For me, it was okay. Well, you know, it's, I have these certain goals or I want to scratch this itch, this, this, this thing that needs to be written. And the older I get, it's more, well, look, none of it's going to last. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. But yet I still feel this burning desire to do it. And so again, I have spiritual ideas about that. I have ideas that, you know, everything that, that you somehow do, you know, participates in the, in, in, in the spiritual development of the world. That's one way to say it. Um, but another way to say it is it's, I think the journey of a life of writing is just a motion, not toward more self-expression in and of itself or as its own goal, but it's just a motion toward the other. I mean, I write because there's there are a couple people out there who uh, who tell me they they you know it does good things for them you know that's 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 what matters most you know um not winning this or that prize or oh those things are nice you know right. I, I would look i would love yeah. it i would yeah, love I'm not it. saying that it's not a nice thing yeah, it, help, and it helps like, the work it, last. it's a pretty thing it helps the work be read um and i think there's a lot of stuff going on with prizes these days that i mean prizes are always up <laughs> down and everything else you know um <laughs> it's uh-huh. a mystery why certain uh-huh. things um, I have a lot of friends mm-hmm. writing some really amazing work that's not not really that recognized, and it's it's a it's a bummer, you know. Yeah. So you, I mean, you can hear it in my voice. I'm I'm split. I'm of two minds, you know. <laughs> I I, yeah. I just want to reach a few people. I just want to try to write something, one good sentence, one good poem. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, there's also that worldly stuff that comes in, and and when you have a kid, which is what I do now, the way it's changed is, uh, I was before I would I would enter a contest, and sometimes I'd be lucky to, to win something, and other times I wouldn't. And now it's like, hmm, what did I get that professorship? Did I not? Um, and the right. questions of of, uh, of why not. Uh, start to affect my my son as well, and then I start to have a little more urgency about those um, those questions. So I don't know. We live in a, in a in a pretty bonkers time right now, and I just try to I just try to do my thing and um, write as well as I can. Yeah, I've noticed, um, and this is just a, a small um, observation from out here in the wilderness that uh, there's an interesting you can see a shift in say fugue for other hands to the stuff that you've been putting out um, lately even like even just you know the more recent stuff on on Twitter and uh, Instagram and and swallows too has a completely different tone like there's (laughs) the total shift between the two Mm -hmm. is, is pretty dramatic um and what do you think about that? Why why is is fugue 
so vastly different from the stuff you're doing now where it feels like uh, you know coming out from coming out from the back of beyond with with uh, a message to say you know it's almost sermon on the mount like yeah i mean it, it's um i mean one way to be cute about it would be would be to say well because mm. because i'm 10 15 years older but but right, what i really right, mean right. by that is but. is yeah is is i think that you know when i was writing that first book which I believe in very much. There are a couple poems. I'm working on a manuscript of my selected poems for it to come out in Italian translation. So I've had to actually go back and look at these poems. Yeah, I've had to look at these. Um, But there are poems in there that I stand by. I I think, you know, there there was a lot of darkness uh, in, in my life at that time. There's a lot of darkness in my life now, but I'm interested in alchemizing that not denying the shadow at all but alchemizing that you know what i mean into some i do some kind of uh, some kind of light that that has the shadows dragging with it so i don't want to write light verse in the pejorative sense isn't that certainly not what i'm doing um but i'm also i i think just in terms of of the poems and the forms of the poems writing novels Mm -hmm. has allowed me to get a lot of breath out of me and and so i'm actually returning to a, a really tight short frankly short lyric poem um which i wasn't doing for a long time after fugue for other hands i mean my second book inheritance was just you know these sort of long uh, poems i was interested in doing certain things structurally with fractured narrative uh the crossing also has right. some long stuff vincent is a long poem so so part of it is that too is just the dialectic energy between writing novels and you know you write a 100,000 word novel and then you return to the clean white page and you say you know i want to say something in 12 or 13 lines and um yeah and you know you you don't right now i don't feel that i have to make every poem everything not that I ever mm. succeeded in mm-hmm. doing that. What that? What would that even mean? But <laughs> the idea is, and therefore I can. I think I'm. I'm letting myself let the short lyric poem be something. Uh, not one thing, but something. Mm-hmm. You know, and and it doesn't have to do. It doesn't have to juggle chains, burning chainsaws while singing the national anthem, and you know, um, <laughs> you know, and 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 maybe it's about trying to. Uh, use all of the craft that I've learned over my life and I'm still learning to say something that risks sentimentality, that risks seeming simple. I mean, there, there are so many poets that I love and then there are so many books of poems I open and I say, you're trying to impress me with your intellect. I'm not impressed. You know, I, I, that's not why I go to poems, you know, if you can, um, I can go on and on. I mean, I just, you know, like we were were talking about Whitman a moment ago, but you know, Whitman, Whitman does this, you know, Whitman has a poem called when I, when I heard the learned astronomer and, and everybody thinks that poem is about, um, you know, Whitman's typical kind of speaker who doesn't want anything to do with law or, 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 or order. He's in a lecture hall and he's listening to an astronomer and he just wants to walk out into the beautiful phrase, the mystical night air but the thing is when he gets to the end of the poem he writes a line which is in extremely regular rhythm 
uh, and it's not exactly iambic pentameter, but it's speaking to that tradition. And the great irony mm-hmm. is at mm-hmm. that moment when he's most free, quote unquote, that's the moment when he's, a, you know, he's using his craft. He's deeply using his craft to give you a sense of the inevitability of that line or a sense maybe even metaphysically that at our moments of, of greatest freedom, we're abiding by, by certain laws, certain laws that are a realization mm-hmm. of ourselves. So, you know, but, but Whitman said to himself at some point you can imagine him saying i don't care if people think i'm writing from a naive standpoint or if people think i don't know how to write a good line i'm going to write something that has an effect on the reader um and so you know the 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 effort is not to flex the 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 artifice but to to use it in such a way that it's it's almost invisible you know i'd rather have Mm. I'd rather have a bunch of readers who are not uh, poets, you know, look at the work and say, that matters to me. I'm going to put that on my refrigerator. That helps me get through my day. Um, of course, right. I want my my friends who are writers and, and poets to to then maybe say oh, maybe say to that person you might like that third line because it happens to be an acephalous line of iambic pentameter and that makes you feel this that and the other thing whatever. But, right, right, right. But it's got to work. It's got to just work. Yeah. And um, that, so that's kind of where I'm at now with my work. A lot of my work that I'm doing is tight, short poems. Um, but chances are the you know the emails and the notes that I get about lines that are memorable happen to be lines that are uh you know doing particular things with craft that i i i was trying really hard you know (laughs) (laughs) well that's nice to get some (laughs) recognition where you've tried that's nice (laughs) yeah so what do you think uh inspiration is we, we, we've touched on it here and there, calling it um, yeah, it, like a parts of an addiction or um, I know we said something else, but the word's gone now. But like it's almost an altered state, it's almost a trance state, it seems sometimes. Yeah, it definitely is. There, I would say there were only about three times in my writing career when I felt that for an extended period of time. Um, yeah, one was when I'll tell you what they are. One was when I was working on. Uh, <laughs> I wrote a book called. I wrote a book called Vincent, which is a um, a book length poem uh, in the voice of. Well, in the voice of a character who's based on on a real person, a person who did you know, committed this right. this crime, um, and uh, when I was writing that, I felt really something was. I felt that I was channeling something, and that was uh, mm-hmm. that was really fantastic. I felt that way with Swallows of Lunetto, um, but that's a novel, and th- and that so that was right. You know, inspiration. I think it's 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 a sublimation. It's a crystallization of all these things you've been carrying around. I love those moments mm. in 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 a life of writing. I mean, it happened to me most recently. I've been. I can't talk yet about what the novel's about because you know I don't want to talk it out of me. <laughs> But it's just, you know, I was for the past couple of months, um, any bookstore I was in, I would pluck down a book about a particular topic and it was always the same one. I had no idea why. I didn't know why it appealed to me, uh, you know, in a grander sense. I knew sort of why I was interested. Yeah. And I kept, I'd pluck out these books and come home and read them and pour over it and take some notes and... And then, you know, about a week ago, I start 
you know, I'm sitting there on my on my uh, uh, stationary bike trying to get my exercise in my uh, at home. And my my boys running around. I understand those troubles. <laughs> my boys running around, and um, and Laura is uh, is sort of sitting there, and we're talking, and all of a sudden I said this thing, and I said, "Oh my God, that's what I've been looking to write a book about." And so I went to the writing desk and I started writing, and I've been writing ever since. So it's those moments when everything crystallizes. Um, but then, then you have to, then you have to gird yourself for the long haul. Novels, um, right. you know, it's a whole other thing. You have to, yeah, you have to find find that time, make that time, and stay so committed to it. Um, I was a little afraid, to be honest with you, that after my son was born, I was a little afraid that I might not have. You know, at least for a couple of years, I might not have the time and space, and my son's the priority. So I, I, I've been just just ending my book tour now for the Swallows of Lunetto, and people ask me, you know, about the next yeah. novel, and I would always say, "It's not coming. Don't worry." You know, um, <laughs> but but right now it, it it is, and I'm really excited about it, and um, you know, uh, it's it's I'm finding a way to to work on a novel to work on a longer project while while being a dad and that's just that's just a new kind of balance so yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it informs the it's interesting it is, but, but it, you know it informs the work right it's it's it does so, it I does. was talking about what's in the silences of of, of, a, of, a, of a page of writing it's also what what is in the margins what's putting pressure on that work what's creating it you know what's making the what's making the diamond as it were you know in in the pressures of the of the if it, uh, of the earth right and and right. some and so in this new, new novel that i'm working on the uh you know the force of parenthood is surrounding it shaping it you know modifying the book has nothing to do with being a father at all but it's there so you know it's um that's part of the process really and not to see it all as teleological right like that it doesn't have to be the fact that i just caught myself thinking you know no matter what happens in my life it's teleologically related to writing but uh that's the that's the madness of a writer i guess there are times when it's just it's just about being a dad and it doesn't have to do you know with with the work but um, but it does also. I mean, <laughs> like whether it just I think you know, things that I haven't that say it didn't occur to me at the time was something that was going to be you know stored in the back and left to simmer and suddenly the next thing I know I'm 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 pulling it out for whatever draft that I've got in front of me in the next couple of weeks yeah. and it's 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 there it's it's going to be there whatever has happened ends up being filtered through the uh, filtered through into writing it's yeah it all stays yeah as long as you stay stay a writer which i don't think we have any choice about although i am fascinated by <laughs> i'm fascinated by those people who who stopped you know um 
I think of Rimbaud, for example, who who stopped writing poetry when he was nineteen. But who knows? Maybe he didn't. You know, maybe he was maybe he was writing, or or he just uh, you know burned it or made a little Viking funeral for it, or you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But everybody, I I went through a huge period of no writing anything there was no poetry there were no stories uh it was it was nothing i thought i was done with writing that i was never going to pick it back up um that you know that that was it i i I had done everything that i could blah 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 you know and then (laughs) and then um it it took roughly 10 years but life shifted and i had incredible dreams that ended up having to be a poem wow so yeah it was strange it was really really i mean i'm grateful but it was strange (laughs) like all right well i guess i'm getting up and i'm doing this and um it's all writing and creating and even this this podcast is a part of a part of a wider and we touched on it a little bit earlier saying like it's a spiritual journey and that is definitely also something that i am making a path for it that's really good that's really Myself. good to hear i mean that you're that you're listening to that part of you because i think we get in trouble with ourselves when we don't you know listen mm-hmm. to that uh, that that urge that that drive that desire and when we don't make space for it um you know so much of so much of violence is is perpetrated by frustrated creatives you know <laughs> it's just not finding the right outlet yeah, for so much so much <laughs> uh, there was um oh i wish i could remember it because i'm going to paraphrase it badly but that's okay that's the theme on this show um that uh writers and creatives they have to create something they have to because otherwise that creativity gets turned inward and you end up coming up with ways to tear yourself apart if you're not putting out the stuff that you need to yeah. like it comes back at you and sours i think that's i think that's well said i mean i think that's just what it is to be human you know i was in the mm-hmm. park with leonardo was my son i was in the park with him today i love his name thank you beautiful thank name. you yeah he's got a better name than i do leonardo fasano is a pretty good name <laughs> i don't know what he'll do with it, it but he's got he's got it but you've armed him, <laughs> with, armed him. You've armed yes. him with it yes but you know it's he, he's he's only 14 months old but he you know he walks around and he and but he's there he wants to pick something up and then he wants to put one rock on top of another rock or bang them together and you know that's the human that's the human urge to there's this amazing um, image that uh, I came across recently and uh, it's uh, it's found in in Africa it's a shell okay and there are some marks on it that are clearly sort of patterned in a way and scientists have concluded that this is was made by um, an ancestor of, of the homo sapiens called homo habilis and because there doesn't seem any purpose to it they have concluded that probably what happened is this creature was taking this rock that they used to open this this clamshell so in other words they're already using right. tools and then sort of drew a line across the shell and and was would have been kind of astonished by the shape that it made and then continued to do so there's no reason for these lines to exist other than the act of creativity right. and the astonishment of it and so you know 
perhaps other animals do this as well but but the idea that our fundamental urge is to create yes and i think every life does that differently but just as you say you have to be true to it so if you're driven to write poems which is an insane thing to do then do it because it's also who was it i think was it was it zimborska maybe who said i prefer the insanity of writing poems and the insanity to the insanity of or the absurdity of writing poems to the absurdity of not writing poems so whatever it is yeah. that you need to do you know build a bridge um raise a child write a poem um you know you'll know when when you're doing the right form of creativity that feels true for you but you're absolutely right if you don't do yeah. that if you don't listen to it and look there's some privilege in being able to listen to it and have the world but um you can probably make some time to make some art wherever you are in whatever circumstance you find yourself in. What is the difference, do you think, between inspiration and motivation? Yeah, so... Okay, so there's this wonderful remark that everybody has heard but I think is often misunderstood. Um, Edison is supposed to have said, genius is... 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration. I don't know anything about right, I don't know right, anything right. about genius, but I will say I think <laughs> I know that he was not saying that we have this kind of a particularly American myth, <laughs> right? Where it's it's this this uh, yeah, this idea yeah. that, you know, you know, the, the, having the 1% of that inspiration is something, but then you just have to work hard. No, I think he was saying that what he meant by genius is being crazy enough to have that much perspiration, you know, to be driven in that way, right? To be, right, so right. Th that motivation, you know, it's like there's, uh, in other words, I think what he was saying is there's no such thing as the lazy genius. To have the, the crazy drive to do it and to show up again and again, Again, I don't know anything about genius, but that's his definition of it. And I think, you know, uh, 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 in our own modest, uh, humble way, we can touch that aspiration. And so that's what I would I would say is the difference between, you know, motivation. You have to. You have to. I think it was Haydn who said, "Show up every day, and the muse will learn to show up." Um, maybe, but yeah, you, you, you have to work. I was like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know about that. Like, I, I agree. I agree that you have to do it, that you have to, you have to, I mean, it's not going to happen if you're not going to mm -hmm. do it. It's, <laughs> you're not going to wake up and you know, the book that you wanted to write is there on your bedside right. table. Ta-da. You, you, you have to actually do it. But I, I don't know how much of, I don't know. It's not something that you can really turn on I, i've noticed every bit of writing advice as far as as far as that's concerned is sounds like it works very well for that particular writer um, <laughs> like good on you uh maybe it helps someone else but it sounds like that works for you friend um but the like showing up every day and and so like eventually you can train your muse to show up i don't know i don't know about that um yeah i don't think he meant you could train your muse to show up. Hmm. i think that there's no chance it's going to if you're not um, you know, it's a question right. of craft. I, I tell my students that one of the one of the worst feelings you can have as a writer is what I call missing a poem. And what I mean by that is this: you you're going to want to write certain poems when you're 20, and you're going to want to write other poems when you're 40, and so on and so forth. But you'd better be ready. You'd better have the craft in your hands that you need. 
to receive that poem when it happens. And I don't just mean over a course of five minutes and some burst of inspiration, but, you know, right. you, you, you need to not and not just need to do it. You need to love it. So love the work of studying you know, what it means to deliver a rhythmically regular line and otherwise irregular free verse poem. What does it mean to break a line to create semantic ambiguity? What does it mean? How do you do these things? How do you speed up? How do you slow down? How do you do that? And so when I work with students, right. both, you know, at, in my universities, but also privately, I, I'm always giving them notebook assignments and I do it myself too. And I'll say, okay, um, we're going to just, you know, try in your notebook. Um, to make the reader emphasize this third word of the line when, when you know, by, with the line by itself, you wouldn't be tempted to do so. So you have to create like a parallel syntax around it. Exercises like that. Go describe X, go look at Y, go do this. And then chances are when you do feel that what we call inspiration, you're moved to write something, you have that craft in your hands. You're not going to miss that poem or you're going to get close to it. Um, and so, yeah, that's sort of what I mean by by doing the work. And, and it's, you know, it's something it's something you love. Um, there's, uh, you know, my youngest brother is a uh he he has a little a little farm and he has horses and things like this i love horses i grew up with them can i tell you i don't and wouldn't love waking up at 5 30 in the morning to muck the stalls i i, I did that a little bit when i was a kid but he <laughs> but you know i'm sure he has days when he says this sucks but i think he's that's his poem he he loves it. He you know there's a part of it that it, it give. It, I'm sure it gives him uh, some form to his life that feels true, that feels feels right. Or or he's he's a hunter. Right. He'll go out at a god awful hour in the morning and he'll sit there and he'll shiver. Well, why is he doing it except for pleasure? You know. <laughs> and so right. so and he's doing the work. And 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 so in other words, he's he's doing it every day. And maybe maybe he doesn't. Maybe he doesn't bag anything. Maybe he doesn't get anything. But he went out there that day and he, you know, sort of did the work of, of, of tracking something or um, or just sitting there and smelling the breeze. And then a week later, maybe he gets something, you know, and he brings home a turkey and he feeds his family with it and that sort of thing. Um, I don't know if I can feed my family on poems, but <laughs> but the idea is similar. <laughs> you, but you get what I'm after here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, I do, I do, I do completely. So that 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 kind of brings me back to thinking about it as an act of faith, saying that maybe like craft is analogous to sacrifice. You have to sacrifice something to get something back. Hmm. It's an interesting way of putting it. Maybe. Although I, w I don't know. I don't feel like for me, the craft is so much a part of the, the pleasure of it. Um, hmm. I, I wouldn't say sacrifice is necessarily not oh applicable. yeah as a lapsed catholic um, i agree with you <laughs> sometimes, sometimes the self-flagellation is indistinguishable from 
pleasure. <laughs> That's another podcast, but we can start that one. Um, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so what do, what does your you said you you're basically the, the you know the literary black sheep in your family uh what what do they think in i mean i'm sure they all have differing opinions but in general you know what do they think of this this split off um you know i think that i'm at an age now where everybody is so much gone their own way that there's not those mm. those forces are not as um, you know when we get together it's more about the the kids and this or that and I don't think right. I, I don't think anybody thinks about it too much um, I know that there are some people in my family who um, you know make an effort to read my books and that's really nice but I don't expect it um, you know I, right. I think maybe when I was younger you know it mattered in a different way um, but the old older I get it's it's uh we don't really t have literary conversations in in my family um but I also don't don't need that from them you know you carve out your own life you right. carve out your own way and um I have a couple really really close friends that I can that I can talk to uh you know about this this sort of stuff although I will say when you're working on a new book, I don't know how you feel about this, Michael, but when you're working on a new book, there's nobody you can talk to about. I mean, you're you're out there. <laughs> you have yeah. swum out, you know. I think it was Hemingway who said something like, you know, with every book, you, you swim a little bit farther out into the depths and... And it better be the case that nobody can really help you. You can talk about research. You can talk about, you know, things like that. But there is a blissful and terrifying aloneness when you're working on a brand new <laughs> book, right? Yeah. You're, you're really, um, and you, you, you know, you might not be doing something that's revolutionary, but for you, it feels... It is. It is. Yeah. It is. For you, it does feel that way. It's my, uh, especially building it and, and coming up with those, um, those first where you're plotting it out <laughs> and, and everything starts to unfold in, in your basic plot structure. And, uh, everybody, I can't talk about it because I sound absolutely bonkers it's <laughs> there's no one to talk about it you're right it's mm -hmm. something completely different yeah yeah you're you're really out there trying to to make it work um i i when i was writing the swallows of lunetta i was living uh this was this was during the height of the pandemic or the depths of the pandemic however we might say it and i was um laura and i were living together upstate in ellenville new york which is a real kind of backwater place she was working with um she's a, a mental health counselor and she was working with addicts and there are a lot of 
a lot of addicts in that little community. And, and so she would do that work during the day, which is kind of more than a little bit emotionally taxing. This is before we had our son. And, uh, and I was teaching on some days remotely, uh, and then other days, you know, just working on my novel. And that was the first time I ever did this, but I would read a chapter to her if I had written it that day. And that was very helpful. That was very, you know, hearing it out loud, um, in that way. I had not done that before, but, um, maybe it was because there was... Oh, not even with your poetry? Uh, with my poetry, yes, but I guess I mean in writing my first novel, I certainly didn't share it as it was sort of developing a story. But I think maybe it was because the, the, the pandemic, there was such a, a, a palpable embrace of, of loneliness around everybody that um, maybe right. I felt I needed to speak to somebody. And also she... Um, I dedicated that book to her because she she did it. She I felt she she inspired a lot of the uh, um, at least some parts of one of the characters. So that maybe there was that more of a conversation there. Um, but I'm really yeah. rambling. I'm glad you allow me to be desultory in this uh, <laughs> this format. You, yeah, of course. That's um, the, the whole vibe that I, so. A little bit of how the sausages uh, was made. I um, throughout the the pandemic, uh, I become extremely isolated, more isolated than than I was in uh, before the pandemic. Uh, Long term relationship of like fifteen years had ended, and he fucked off. And uh, the I came up with the idea to do a podcast, and it was to. Um, to actually bring some sort of something <laughs> into, into my life. I was like, well, fuck it. <laughs> I literally have nothing else to lose and I would really like to gain something. So well, I'm so glad you did. I mean, here, here we go. are talking. I mean, that's great. You're, you're, and this is the power of, of, of social <laughs> media stuff. And when, when everything is working well, you know, communities can be right. built and that's what you're describing. You do, you build a community for yourself. You build a community in and of itself and, and, and reach out to people. People and have these conversations and you know this is great i mean having this conversation with you i mean i've got my notebook right by me i think i've written down two or three things that we've been talking about <laughs> and and that'll that'll help me you know um so yeah i i i hear you on that michael i think that's i think it's a really wise thing to do oh thank you uh i i was pretty pleased with it myself <laughs> <laughs> So everybody, I mean, we, we touched on it just a second ago, like how how you change some of your writing for your your stories um, as as reading out loud. But have you noticed any other changes to your writing or any themes uh, that you've noticed in since since the great pandemic? I think that's a really good question, and I think that. You know, I was talking a little bit before about, you know, really trying to cross that mm-hmm. abyss and reach out for the other and make it more about the right. other than the self. And now that you say that, I think, yeah, that has to do with me, you know, getting a bit older and and, and uh, being in what I hope is the middle of my life and, uh, and being a father. But I think also, yeah, I think you're right. Also, the the occasional solitude and often loneliness that that we felt in those days, the fear, um, 
things mm-hmm. that things fall away. I was talking before about what maybe doesn't matter to me as much as it used to. Um, and I think right. that pulling that husk away to reveal what's inside, I think a lot of people went through that during the during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I also will say, you know, because there's so much, you know, when you when 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 the pandemic happened, there's this natural thing that can happen, which is the the fear of the other, and the fear of the other right. gets very much magnified on social media. And I think this whole, you know, increased polarization ha- did have a lot yeah. to do with the, you know, the fear that everybody had. But that's said you know just to to find the positive in it i I have found i was saying this to my students my my 18 19 20 year old undergraduate students i said you know guys you there are we've all been through something together and I, i have to tell you that i feel it i feel it in your there's a kindness that my students have that i you know i don't want to say my students you know, didn't have before. My students, students have always been sort of very wonderful, but there's just kind of this softness. My my students uh, at Manhattanville College will, um, you know, there's there's a politeness. They'll greet you. They'll they'll say, okay, you know, have a good day. That sort of stuff. And I think those niceties had fallen away a little bit in like the year or two right before the pandemic and everyone was buried in their phone in the worst possible way and maybe it hit a low point mm-hmm. there for a moment so i think that yes there there is some some othering that was uh, you know very negatively enhanced by the pandemic but i also think there's this kind of gentleness and kindness and you know good stuff that has emerged from us going through that and it's you know, we kind of look at other, I think the best part of us looks at another person and says, I know what it was like to sit in a little room somewhere and during, you know, during a pandemic and think I got to put a mask on to go get a gallon of milk. And what am I doing with my life? And do I, you know, all these big decisions and to just look at each other and be like, listen, I know, I know, I know, you know, we both went, we went through that in our own ways. And I can't imagine what you, the things you felt on some of those darkest nights and vice versa. And that creates that creates a compassion and a kindness. And I think that comes out mm-hmm. in some of the writing that's happening now. Uh, so mm. I think that's a good thing. That's interesting. Do you think, do you think that, I mean, I don't see how, how it couldn't, but do you think it's changed the way people have perceived poetry too? Yeah, I think that I'm probably, I think just in a, in a, in a quantitative way, I think more people turn to it i think it Mm -hmm. poetry being the voice of let's say lyric let's limit it to lyric poetry for a moment and lyric poetry mostly Mm -hmm. being being the i the individual saying that this is the gesture of faith we were talking about before that if i go deep enough into myself i'll find you and I think people yeah. turn to lyric yeah. poetry because we had time and we couldn't do much but go deeply into the <laughs> self, right? It was either that or it was either that. Everybody's got their dark deep yeah, it, it was either around. go yeah. deeply into yeah. the self yeah. or uh, you know, drink too much or do the, or smoke too much or all that all that stuff. And that that happened a lot during the pandemic. Um, yeah. And, you know, I got in trouble with that kind of stuff. And uh, but then comes the time where you say, yeah, 
it turns out that the gesture of art going deep into the self and trusting the other will be there is what we were all really kind of being called to do during this really dark time and so I think in that way mm -hmm. the gesture of poetry has has really appealed to people and, and it continues to do so I agree I think I think so too it's people seem to be more open to it now um poetry has the that that stigma of <laughs> you know of being um just no one can you can't be understood you know it's incomprehensible uh or or you have to have so many degrees you have to be able to tear it apart you have to know all of your your greek myths and your roman myths and to to understand a lick of it otherwise you know what's the point um and i think I mean, there's some some more popular, um, like free verse style that that kind of get uh, I'll say looked down on a bit, and and it can be frustrating. I think that's a lot of jealousy too, but um, I think it's. I don't know if, if people are reading it, if people can relate to it and they start to be able to read it, I can't see bad. No, there isn't. And also, the, you know, look, it's a no win. If, if you write, if you yeah. write, you know, particularly uh, uh, dense poetry, then a, a large faction of the poetry world is going to accuse you of being elitist. And then if you turn the other direction right. and you write something that you, you know, really care about, uh, you know, the, 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 the the person who maybe is not a writer of poetry, um, you want them to understand, then, then you get accused of being a populist. You know, it's like, there's no, so you yeah. have to write what feels true. You just have to do it in good faith. That's what people respond to. If it's very clear that you're doing something just to, to, to pander or to impress, that's just going to come across. So it's like we were talking about before, mm -hmm. my work feels different right. right now. And it feels different because that's just what I really care about doing. Um, and if it resonates with some people, it resonates with some people. And if other people say, oh, I don't know, I, I, I liked what you did 15 years ago, then that's wonderful. Then that's for them, you know? Um, so right. as long as what you're doing is coming from a place of, of you know, of earnestness and you really mean it. Um, but yeah, that circles back to what I was saying before. Um, I don't think all poetry is good just because it's, it's written. But uh, again, I, I do think that there, there doesn't have to be this dichotomy between, yeah. I'll tell you, I'll tell you the truth, Michael, this is something, it's, it's, yeah, this is something like <laughs> I'm really passionate about doing right now. So we talk, we talk a little bit about social right. media stuff, right? Um, Right. I'm somebody who's been traditionally published. I, I, I published in all the journals that I wanted to publish in when I set out my career, and I'm proud of that. I come from nothing when it comes from you know to, to, to literary you know heritage, um, and I care about that a lot. But I think that it's, it's sort of at this point where people have this false dichotomy between you're either writing something and and publishing it in the Yale Review, which I love and I've done, or there's this Instagram post 
poetry, right? And and there's the, there's the idea that there's nothing in between. Well, let me tell you, okay, I'm going to be honest with you. Right, there's right, a right. lot of there's a lot of Instagram poetry that's absolute garbage, and I don't want it. I just doesn't do anything for me. There's also a lot of stuff. There's also a lot of stuff in, let's say, certain publications that's <laughs> garbage and doesn't do anything for me. But there's also amazing <laughs> stuff in both of those spaces, and I will share with you that you know those people who happen to to, to follow me on on social media might have picked up that I am passionate about saying that there's this middle way and it doesn't need to compromise the aesthetic of the work, but that you can be somebody who's, let's call it a traditionally published poet who writes something that he's really proud of. It's deeply interested in craft. He cares about that craft. It's not just a dashed off journal entry that's broken into lines and then says, you know what? (laughs) Guess what? I don't care if my publishing this online uh, precludes it from later being included in the Best American Poetry series or being published in such and right. such whatever and and I'm just going to just going to share it so so I think the idea is that a lot of really good work doesn't get shared first on social media spaces because the poets are worried about their careers well the, there are ways right. to change that I mean Tim Green of Rattle Magazine uh, you should you should find it he, he uh, maybe I shared it on social media I can't remember but he he uh, he put out this um, little essay that he wrote in which he he introduced a new language for this, and I think it was very well said. He said, "Look, we hmm. should, we should, and I'm, I'm going to hopefully paraphrase him correctly, but essentially what he was saying is, <laughs> let's make it the kind of industry industry standard to say that poems can be published or you know, posted online, right? And that instead of y- yes, yes, I actually yes, I saw instead this. of I saw calling this one. it yeah, right, yeah, yeah, instead of having guidelines for a literary magazine say that your piece needs to be previously unpublished." He introduced a, a, what I think is a very, very good word for it. He said, "Call them previously uncurated." In other words, you don't need to right. you don't need to disparage the work of of the editor of the literary magazine. We need arbiters of taste. Those are great, you know. People who say, "But let's say, you know, uh, I pub I publish, which is what I'm doing, a poem online, something that I wrote right. hasn't appeared anywhere else, and I publish it in the sense that I make." it public it's out there and then a literary magazine says hey you know we're, we're going to put that and that has happened to me already i've had a few people you know write to me and say hey can we publish this poem that you posted online in our next huh. issue and i think these are the visionaries i think these are the people who are saying right when people subscribe to our publication they're going to get to use tim green's word they're going to get a curation. They're going to get what we feel is, is good, what we feel we want to share. And that's absolutely a worthwhile enterprise in the undifferentiated sea of the internet where you don't know, you know wh- what you're going to find, how you're going to find it. You have to plow through a lot of things to get certain things of quality. So I, I'm on board with that. And I think that we should be, I think that, that poets who deeply believe in their craft and are not just just writing, you know, a little inspirational quote. I think those poets should feel free to use social media spaces to stop pretending we're in this world um, that we're not in, and and to at the same time deeply validate the craft of of what editors are doing with again to use Tim Green's right. term curating. And I think that's um, you know I, I posted I wrote a poem. 
a couple months ago uh, that grew out of a kind of somewhat comical experience that I had of, of reading a paper by a student who had clearly used AI to... Uh, to oh, yeah, yeah. So I wrote yeah, this yeah. poem, short, short, short poem, and I wanted to share it with people because I felt that it was something that other educators could could connect to, et cetera, et cetera. And so I did. I posted right. it on my Twitter, as you know, I do that a lot, and it got a really tremendous <laughs> nah. response. You know, it got a really tremendous response, and I was proud of that it because. Did. A lot of educators wrote to me and you know said, "Can I use this in my class, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera?" And that was great. And since then, um, you know, uh, the Academy of American Poets is, is is wonderful, and they've always been very supportive of me. Um, and you know, since then, the poem has gone up on the Academy of American Poets site, which is which is a place where I feel I would be, you know, I always love to publish my work there. So now, again, they're on board with this kind of vision right. that Tim Green that was talking about, that this other publication that wrote to me was talking about, where it's like, yeah, share your work, okay, share your work online, and then uh, different editors will select it to be, uh, again, Tim Green's word, uh, curated in, in these ways. So... Uh, look, there are there are there are pitfalls. The writer can get kind of addicted to trying to put something out there too quickly, and 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 you know, um, the, the, there are a lot of. Th- have you been listening to the shows I haven't even put out yet? There are a lot Come of on, things, dude. a lot of things to talk about there. But I don't think those questions are any less interesting or valid than the great questions that shaped right. the form and the forms of art in any other era. You know, um, what does it mean for a line to fit in a margin on a, on a printed page? What does it mean for for a poem uh, to be tweetable? What does it mean? You know, these are questions right. that can have answers in bad faith, or that can have answers that are that are interesting. And one last point I'll say about that is, I I, I was talking to one of my young students uh, that I work with privately. And we were having these conversation, this conversation, and uh, and she said, you know, I, I don't, uh, I don't know. Sometimes I think about social media. Is it good for poetry? Is it bad? I said, listen, one of the ways I view it, it it's a, it can be a gateway drug for people. In other words, if I wrote a poem that's eleven or twelve mm-hmm. lines long mm-hmm. and, it, and mm-hmm. it fits there in a social media space, I will tell you, I won't write a poem that's shorter than I think it should be, just so that it can fit. So I'm not using the form of social media right. to determine. Right, the piece, but right. if it happens to fit, and I put it there, it's needless to say, not every single one of my things is going to fit in that space. But maybe, maybe, right. because I've done it in good faith, because I've really meant it, I can I can catch somebody, and I can say, uh, you know, this is something that poetry can do. Come on in, you know, we're we're in here, you know, Michael's here, and I'm right. here, and when and you know, come on into the party, and and they might. You know, and that's yeah. an entirely noble and valid thing to do. And I really don't care if anybody says it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, um, as someone who occasionally posts their, their stuff online, I'm going to have to agree <laughs> with you. <laughs> I'm a little biased. Um, no, actually, I think... Uh, I think it's just it's 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 time to change with it. Um, social media, the internet, all of that—it's not going anywhere. It's not this separate concept anymore. It 
it is like every other piece of media that that we've all had it's it's no different than the than the television can you say television has a horrible impact on on poetry um or 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 newspapers or i don't know other things that exist outside of my house but (laughs) it's i don't think it's uh i think it's more useful i would have to say in in general it's but then that comes down to the poet though it does it comes down to the poet it comes down to the commitment to craft it comes down to as i say you know continuing to do what you do in good faith and believing in it but i think there's that whole you know great space that's opened up you know that there's no reason you have to I, look again i believe in in, in in everything literary magazines are doing i've been on that side of the desk i was an editor at alice james books for a long time i really enjoyed what i did there um but the process does not have to be that you write a poem you're when you get let's say when you get to the point of, of wanting to share it um and right. you know you first publish in a literary magazine and then you screenshot it and share it on social media anyway afterward you know when the first north american serial rights revert back to you um <laughs> you can do it exactly in the in the in the opposite order uh and i think we're going to start right, seeing right. a lot of that um and, oh, yeah. and i mentioned tim green at rattle i mean he he's he he means what he says he just changed the submission guidelines for uh for rattle to to basically include this this language that he has and i have a weak spot for tim green because i think he's just a i think he's just a great guy and you know running a literary magazine there's always going to be ups downs and stuff gets political and this that but he's kind of stayed true to his vision and um, you know, he was one of my first publications in 2008. He gave me that, he gave me the Rattle Poetry Prize, and he, or I should say he and his, his staff. And uh, that was a poem that people still still read. And this is, all, I always say it's a funny story because um, uh, I, I call poetry, I say poetry is free of the marketplace, which is a wonderful way of saying there's no money in it. <clears throat> thank God. <laughs> but thank God, right? That's a whole other story, too. We can talk about, yeah. you know, when, as you know, when you're, when you're, we're talking about bad faith, you're never going to get, uh, you're never going to get a bad faith well maybe not anymore but for a long time you weren't going to get a a bad faith edit from a poetry editor you know like they were going to do it for the right reasons or they really felt that something aesthetically was this and that um in fiction sometimes you do find that you're you're getting certain things but uh so anyway so free of the marketplace you're not worried about money you're free it's wonderful but my joke is tim green bought me a car because that rattle poetry prize i was 20 I don't know how old I was, 26, 25. I had just gotten out of grad school and um, I won that prize and it was enough money to, to buy buy a 92, or used 92 Chevy. <laughs> and that I needed, I had, I no, I had I no car. It. I had no no way to, to, to you know, I, get back and forth to my new job. I was teaching. And so uh, I, I bought this old 92 Chevy. I loved that thing. It was a Chevy Blazer. And I would always just say, this is the, you know, this is my poem car. Um, and I drove that thing into the ground, you know, just used it, used it for many, many years. 
And um, so that's, that's a little that's funny beautiful. story. I have a week, so I, I I have a soft spot for for him, and I think he he uh, he does some great stuff. And this is one of those things. So maybe I'll send this to him when it comes out. So <laughs> hi Tim. <laughs> you should. You should. Hi Tim. Hi Tim. Tim, you want to be on the show? You should We're have him. About yeah. it next year. Next year. Yeah. Well, I'll see. Uh, it's like in the beginning. In the beginning, like you're one of the. I think you're one of the very first people that i asked actually so thank you so much for not like ignoring of course me. <laughs> no of course you know what i always say online but, about um, passion i can feel hmm. it i can feel it when it's coming through and these <laughs> these are the, these are the people i want to talk to yes exactly i feel exactly the same way um you, you're gonna you're gonna uh contribute to the zine that I am still putting together and nobody has sent in their stuff. Send okay. me your stuff, guys. You've been on the show. Send me send me the poems you want to include. Um, it's, I, <laughs> I want it to be um, a physical sort of like yearbook sort of idea. Here's everybody that's been on the show. Here's what we've done throughout the year and have it go out to if listeners want some, well, I'll see how much it's going to cost, but I just kind of want to give it to, to all the people who's been on the show. Um, but uh so you're going to contribute you've got right? it you, it can be one you've already done it can be a new one it can be whatever you want to include i'm Just happy to michael absolutely yeah i'll send you some things <laughs> fantastic i love it uh, yeah you can send more than one i'm happy with it um i it's yeah do it that's fantastic thank you thank you you got it <laughs> um and um, probably in another i plan to do like all right, so I've pretty well settled that this thing, this project, is going to at least go for three years. My original, um, my original date was one year. If I could get people on, if I could, <laughs> if I could, you know, get people listening, uh, if I find out what the hell I'm going to do with it, other than meandering philosophical questions, um, but <laughs> um, that's you know, it would at least be a year and see what happens. Well, then suddenly, all my year got filled. And <laughs> which is fantastic, and I'm I'm still stunned. But I have my my year is filled, and so now I have people asking me about next year. So, yay, yay, yay! Show. Uh, so next year I want to do um, some reunion shows and catch up with the people who've who've already been on once before. Um, so if you would be interested, maybe in coming back next year. See how of course, yeah. Talk, you know, I, I could just yeah. be rude right now, but look, talk to my manager, okay? I could. <laughs> I could. I could talk to your manager. <laughs> of course, yes. Come on, you know I'm totally on board. And that's really great to hear. It's like I was saying before, I think before we went, went on air, you know, you're doing it the right way. You're just <laughs> doing it organically. Let it develop and, and you know, get people talking and... Um, it's probably not hard to find writers who want to talk about themselves, so uh, like myself. So, <laughs> well, you know what? You you know what? Though I thought I really thought it would be, in a large part, my my schedule is filled because of uh, John Compton. He's a part of Ghost City <laughs> Press, but I had him on like he was my second guest, and he was one of my first cold ask. Like, hey, do you want to be on? I'm I'm trying to do this absolutely bonkers thing, and he was like, yeah, of course. So, <laughs> and then he went and found me like 
all of these other people who who oh, want wonderful. to be on the show. So I didn't have to I didn't have to cold ask, you know. You know, 12, 12 or 13 more people. But <laughs> but um it's 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 been an interesting ride. Um I haven't had these types of conversations since before uh since before the kid, mm-hmm. you know? So <laughs> I feel a little uh it's weird to be doing things that are actually that I had put in little boxes of this is what used to be my experience this is what life used to contain and then now it's back to no these things are actually timeless it's not for a particular age it's just part of Mm -hmm. the process and yeah it's it's been interesting i don't know if i'm going to write a paper or if it's just going to influence uh the way i write but we'll see (laughs) yeah i'm sure it'll be a part of of everything you know it'll be just you know part of everything you do but it's really great. I'm great to, uh, you know, it's great to, to hear that. Thank you. <laughs> you are welcome. <laughs> so I want to bring up, I have one like question. I could probably ask a whole lot about Fugue, but I only, I'm going to limit it to, to one. Uh, I went through the whole thing and, and um, I, I loved, I've got all my little dog ears and my underlines, um, but there was one that I got to it and I was like, Oh, well this one, I, this one, I feel like I completely understand from, from (laughs) the, the me part of it. And, um, I'm gonna, gonna fuck up how to pronounce this title. The good thing I can edit, but, uh, Epa. Oh, Epithalamian. See, (laughs) thank you. Epithalamian. Well, see, I've only read it. I've never heard it. Thank you very much. Um, (laughs) But I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. Thank you. Um, and it made me. Um, well, okay. Before I say what it made me think of, can you tell me, like, the source for that one? Was it? Yeah. Like, where did that one? That, so where that, that one start? I wrote. So I started working on that book. Uh, I suppose when I was about twenty-four. I mean, I was writing like it, like most people. I was writing. <laughs> Writing and writing, writing in my early years. But then I think the first, very first poem that is in that book, uh, I should say, I think I wrote the earliest poem in that book when I was about 24. So in grad school. And then I was working on that book until I was 29, which is when I got married to my first wife. Um, So, you know, if we want to do the gossip column sort of stuff. But that uh, but that poem came out of that moment right before I got married for the first time. I was thinking about, yeah, I haven't read that poem in a long time, but that's what it came out of. I think I was about 27 or 28 years old. It was right before I got married for the first time. And I was thinking about... Um, I was thinking about what it is to bind your life to somebody. Um, and so I wrote that poem and I feel, I feel like the images in that poem, you know, are, are they talk about commitment to somebody else, but they also, there's some foreboding in that. And that, it really uh, is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't um, know if it bodes well for that for that relationship. <laughs> well, uh, like I got through reading it and I was like, "Holy shit, this is marriage!" Like this is uh, marriage mm-hmm. as a sacrifice to to the gods for life. Like it's 
Yeah. Well, I'm glad I, I picked up on that, but um, I'm also sorry that we both <laughs> are familiar with that experience, I guess. <laughs> oh, it's all right, my friend. On another day, we'll do the gossip version of the Joseph Fasano hour. It's too much when you to come back, fit. When you can... <laughs> too much to fit in our uh, mm-hmm. 30-ish, more, 30-ish more minutes or so. Uh, <laughs> all right. So this, that pretty well tops off all of my questions. Unless there's anything you want to add to what we've done before we get to the sharing portion of the evening. No, that was fun. <laughs> okay, good. All right. Is there anything that you would like to read for us? Anything you've done or uh, that you've shared before, haven't shared before? Anything that you're reading that is impactful on you? Um, do you mean read to you some of my own work or, or yes, yes, of course. Yes. Yes. The answer to all of those questions that just popped into your head is yes. Okay. If you would okay. like to read, <laughs> you can read your own. You can read someone else's. Oh, good. I'll um, do I both. put all of, I put awesome. Cause I put all of it in, um, I don't, I don't know if copyright's going to slap me one of these days, but I put uh, all of the credits for everything in the notes. So <laughs> no, it's, it's fair use, educational fair use. Just call it that. And right. uh, see, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. But um, yeah, and it is. You know, it is. That. Just... It is that. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, maybe what I'll do is uh, is I'll I'll read one or two poems that um, some people have have told me have helped them out a little bit um, that oh, I've been oh, posting. Be yeah. So I'll I'll read. A, I'll start with a very short one. Um, which is, uh, I'll tell you a funny, quick funny story about the title of this poem. Yep, this poem is called Sudden Hymn in Winter. And uh, I published a, a poem in Fugue for Other Hands, my first book, which is called Sudden Hymn in... Was it, I think it was called Sudden Hymn in Autumn. Um, yes, yes. And, uh, uh, largely to do with like your father and... Yeah, as a lot of the poetry right? yeah. was. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so I had written this poem with this this title that came to me, and then uh, somebody who was uh, a graduate student of mine <laughs> later uh, published a book and had a poem called "Sudden Hymn in Winter." I don't even know if I knew that that was the case, but of course I knew it was let's say, inspired by my work, right, um, right, by right. My, my title. And this was my, my winking way of, of taking my title back. <laughs> well, I, Michael, I'm really giving you the, I don't know how I'm going to come across in this. Uh, this. <laughs> you, oh, you, you've you okay. I promise you've come across knowledgeable and charming. <laughs> All right. Well, you're going to edit me well, my friend. Okay. I will. All right, I, I will. Believe I will. You. I promise. There's the faith. There's the faith we were talking about. <laughs> Okay, I'll read this little poem called Sudden Hymn in Winter. What if, after years of trial, love should come and lay a hand upon you and say, this late, your life is not a crime? I love I love that one. It's it's very appropriate uh, for our current climate. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna say yeah. also that um, I can imagine that hitting a lot of people very deeply. 
So that's an example. Um, thank you, Michael. And that's an example of a poem that, you know, that that line, "Your life is not a crime," in various various different kind of versions, had was something I carried around for a long time, and I wasn't quite sure where it fit, and and then you know, kind of whittled it down, you know, to have this. Um, this very short piece uh, that that I felt needed to be short. So that's an example right, of what I was right, you know, right. kind of what I was talking about um, before. Uh, With that economy of, of like the economy of language. Yeah. So speak yeah. because we've been speaking about social media and we've been talking about you know what it means to to post your poems there first. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes mm-hmm. I, st- I you know I, st- I still do. I'll get a message here and there of people saying. Um, I really like this poem and I'll say thank you so much I, I appreciate that and then I'll say you know don't post it to social media first you should publish it x y right. and z and I don't have time to go into the whole thing you and I are talking about which is why I think it's really <laughs> great that we've we've got this so instead I just wrote a poem so this is called for the person who asked me why I post my poems on social ah, media yeah. okay because there isn't time Because I want you to know the things you say to yourself in the darkness are the right things. Because you are the right thing. You see the world, it is burning. I want you to know words are burning. Because to say one wrong word is not a crime, but to live your life without maddening passion is unforgivable. Unforgivable. Because I have only a few sweet days and my own mad heart, its holy ghosts, its openings, its storms. Because even if this didn't save you, didn't you read this believing in the one hope it's shown you you are holding, that with the right words you could still be transformed? <laughs> so that was my way. Thank you. You're welcome. That, <clears throat> that was my way of, of, of kind of talking. Um, you know, back to that way of of, right. of of thinking about things. Right now, these poems that I'm reading um, are all from my newest uh, manuscript of poems, which I'm just putting the finishing touches on now. My, It's been years, well, not too long, but 2018 was when my yeah. my last book of poetry came out. And um, it might look as though I've been working on just novels because I've had two <laughs> novels come out since then. But this, uh, this new book of poems, um, which I hope to have hope to be able to make an announcement about relatively soon um, you know when and where it's coming out uh so you know this this is all the work from those past you know five years or so and and includes a lot of these new things that i've been sharing what what do you look for like what is your mm, goal or parameter parameters maybe that, that when you're putting together a collection, what is it that you that makes it a collection? Like, do you start out with a theme, well, or I, no? I like, think what I, do you look see, for? See, this yeah. is a great question, and I think that there there 
I mean, this is a very reductive thing to say, and there are flavors in between these, but broadly speaking, there are kind of two kinds of collections of poems. Um, you know, if we're not talking about something like my book, Vincent, which is a book-length poem or whatever, there right, can right, be right. this kind of collection that does have, you call it a theme or call it, you know, a project. Um, you know, you, you, you write a you write a, a chapbook or an entire book in the poems mm-hmm. in the voice of, of, of a certain historical character or persona or whatever it might be. Right. Um, but, and I think that is something that a poet can do and can do extraordinarily well. But I worry that in our, our kind of moment right now, the our internalized value system of our culture of commodification makes it so that the book of poetry kind of always has to be this this project or what is your shtick mm. what is your thing what is right when when we i think we need to preserve that other kind of collection of poems which is a collection of poems which is you know right. yes it can't be totally seemingly chaotic in in terms of its you know tonal shifts or you know you've got so many different moving in so many different directions that it might disorient the reader but it can be a collection of the poems that you've written over the past X number of years that you feel are your strongest, you feel are the things that you really can stand behind. So when you put it together, of course, um, yes, you think about the arc of the of the piece, you think about mm-hmm. themes that have emerged, and oh, maybe I did something too similar in this poem, and I'll, sp- I'll take that one out. All of these considerations, of course, come into play. But right. for this... Um, book, I really wanted it to be very much about the individual poems on the individual pages and, uh, you know, to try to push back a little bit against the idea that you've got to have, you know, what is your project in this, right. in this book. Again, a, a very valid, wonderful way of writing books and some of my favorite ones. I mean, you know, Ilya Kaminsky's uh, Deaf Republic, for example, is, I mean, I just absolutely adore his work. I think he's so much the Me real too. deal. So that's an example of doing that and doing that in good faith. He, you know, that's, right. that's, that's, but when, when I'm doing, you know, thesis conferences with um, graduate students and, and I hear other professors maybe looking for something to say, and it's you know, oh, you could do you know twelve more of these kinds of poems, or you could push it in this direction, and you could, okay, if that genuinely comes mm-hmm. from the writer. But if if it's not, then um, you know, write your little poem and uh, see what the next one is. You know, right. Thank you. It's <laughs> <laughs> interesting. Well, I yeah. I see a lot of collections that are thematic. <laughs> uh, they 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 tend to be um, like portions of people's lives. Um, like uh, I finished. Um, oh, God! What do I have her up here? Uh, no, it's in my bag. No, hold on. I want to make sure I get her name right. <laughs> ah. Ah, I'll buy a bird instead. Uh, Natalie Easton. Uh, let's see. This came out. I'm not sure, but I recently bought it, and it's it's a lot to do with um, a bit like how Fugue has a lot of the themes of like your father's illness has a lot of the themes with like her mother's um, illness and struggles and how she dealt with that. Um, 
but I see themes more often than not in in uh, in collections like that and chat books especially and that's really you know when i when i called that book fugue for other hands i was thinking probably about two things one um you know that it very much is about the other completes the song right so you're going to hear in it what you want to hear in it but that fugal structure is something i've always been interested in my work you know and not in the necessarily technical musical sense but the idea that over the course of a collection you know, I'm somebody who I'm obsessive, you know, and, and I think about, you know, continuing to, for example, I admire the poetry of Georg Trackel, who is constantly, was constantly coming at the same images again and again, working them out, you know, um, and that's something right. too, that, that often, you know, work poetry workshops can be amazing, but one of the things, one of the detriments can be that you you're looking for something to say about a poem and you say to the writer, you know, well, you know, you did something with that image last week as though we need to make it new just for the sake of novelty. No, if, if you hmm. cannot get that blue deer out of your mind, then continue to write poems with that blue deer until it shows you what it's trying to do or until it wakens the mystery that it's trying to waken. So I, I, I think <laughs> what I was trying to say about that, that in that first book, it was like, look, I know that I have certain thematic or certain imagistic obsessions throughout and I wanted to lean into that and that's why I sort of you know think about it as that uh, you know the the fugue I'm passionate about that in my work it's it's uh, you know I'll let the same things come back again and again in different Mm -hmm. forms different um, you know different ways until they say what they say in in I know I've like, I've derailed us a little bit from the sharing portion of the show, <laughs> but I've noticed you have animals that show up quite a bit, which of course isn't, you know, all that, all that different for a poet, but in particular, you know, you've got horses. I've noticed horses showing up uh, quite a bit for you and stags. I saw a lot in fugue. Yeah. Um, do you know what they symbolize for you? Well, I mean, um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say, I mean, the horses are just a simple fact that I grew up with them. Um, yeah. You know, so. Or. <laughs> I, yeah, I grew up with them and and loved them and still do. I mentioned that my youngest brother still has a, a, a farm and he has his horses and I can go there and get my mm-hmm. fix a little bit. But I grew up riding them. I grew up riding them competitively and uh, spending a lot of time oh, wow. with them. Yeah. And so for me, I remember, you know, many years ago, uh, my first wife said to me, Um, You know, horses seem to be both very strong and very vulnerable at the same time. This idea of this massive creature that, you know, can can very easily, um, you know, break a leg um, running a race or, or, you know, and and then it's 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 on the edge of destruction. And so I think that, you know, I don't really think in terms of symbols. Instead, I think in terms of resonances and horses. Mm-hmm. resonate those those things for me they're my childhood they're the wildness of childhood they also are this interesting uh, combination of strength and vulnerability they're also they're wild but they're also very much not they're they're being steered they're being uh, yeah. uh, bridled they're being harnessed they're being girthed and so in that way, they're like a poem, right? They, they, they try to right. find that you try to find that spiritual place where the form and freedom feel the same. Um, and so, yeah, so that's you know that's 
that's I think why they're so present in in the work. Hmm. All right, so we can go back to the sharing portion. <laughs> okay, so we were talking <laughs> about anything else you'd like to share. <laughs> I'll share one more, and then and then right. and then I, I mean it's I might have my voice is going to give way. It's almost midnight. So no, I'll just it's okay. Do... <laughs> hey, never be afraid to tell me what the limits are. You're fine. Okay. Yeah, we'll we'll, right, we'll so do I'll, the one I'll more, do... and then we'll do a wrap up. Okay, you got it. Perfect. Um, so this is uh, I was talking a bit about you know getting a bit older and. It's a poem yeah. I wrote called called Forty, and it's funny because when I shared this online, um, a lot of people were very nice <laughs> about it. But they were like, "Look, forty doesn't have to be the end of life," and I don't mean that by the poem. I just mean that it's the end of one kind of living, you know. Yes. So yes. this is a poem called Forty. All my life, I heard a music that almost carried me. My mother's love like cold sap in my branches. My father's hush as wild as foals and strong. From these, I made a little life to give to you. These and this same soft voice that wakens me. Don't be afraid, Joseph. The singing has to end to be a song. Because the music is defined by its silence. Mm. Mm. I like it. Thank you. I I never know what to say to good poetry. What do you say when someone reads you something and your gut reaction is just um, awe? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I, I never really was. I never know what to say. Well, I was never conscious of it. And then one time I was teaching a graduate class. And my students, after one class, they said, you know how we know how you really feel about a poem? I said, oh, God, no, because I thought I was being a really good teacher. And, and um, they said, if you really like it, you always say, wow. <laughs> and if you if you if you and if you don't, you just say thank you. <laughs> so, so I will I will trust that you don't have the same nomenclature. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I I think sometimes sometimes you know sometimes you can just um, just breathe it in and that's okay too. You know, there's there's nothing that needs to be that um, that works. Great great for in person yeah but not um, on a podcast on 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 a podcast <laughs> i'm supposed to sound clever <laughs> i don't know i wonder let's break all the you know uh, all the boundaries and just have that kind of podcast where people are driving in their car and they're like did it did it cut out like no they're just being awkward and spending 15 solid seconds breathing in you know, a poem. I, yeah i <laughs> special episode <laughs> just like one or two poems and silence silence uh, yes <laughs> it'll be groundbreaking it's revolutionary it's the podcast where nobody <laughs> says shit <laughs> oh, oh Joseph thank you thank you so much for for coming on and 
enabling my my addiction. <laughs> oh, what a pleasure it's been! I have to tell you, I was I was uh, I was having a bit of a low day today. I was feeling a little bit down, and oh. and and this has picked me up. So I'm so uh, I'm so glad <laughs> well, this was glad. this has been a lot of fun just to just to talk and and share poems and and talk to another writer who's just just trying to do it every day you know just trying to yeah. live and say a few say a few good things yeah and hopefully somebody else gets something out of it yeah i hope so all right one more time say all of your socials so everybody knows where to find you sure yeah so uh most of my stuff uh is is on twitter um and so i'm at joseph underscore fasano underscore and i do a daily poetry thread there which has been a lot of fun so i'll post yes, a it poem. is everybody needs to participate in the daily poetry thread <laughs> it, it's uh, yeah. thank you it's really great it's i've been uh you know i'll share a poem and uh you know give a kind of theme word and of course everybody mm-hmm. in the poetry community on twitter is is smart enough to know that that's not <laughs> reductive and they can play around with it and right. it builds these daily digital anthologies that I think um, yes. you know I think I think there's a collection for that like I don't know I think you can do something with I mean not to not to like commodify it yeah no I think so there's too. something in there like I'm working on it yeah I think so okay. too I think so Good. too but yeah so it builds these digital you know daily anthologies and I have to say they they sustain me, you know, days when I'll, I'll put out something and I'll say, you know, today's it could be something as, 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 you know, um, universal as, as, as love or, or heartbreak or, right. and oh my God, the community of people on Twitter involved in poetry, isn't it amazing? I mean, you get people it's posting these. Amazing. Yeah, sometimes it's their own work, but very often it's, you know, I, I just read this, it's in a translation by so-and-so, and here it is. And mm-hmm. so um, it kind of builds this. So on my Twitter feed, um, I try not to clutter it up with, with anything other than really poetry and, 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 and literature, but you can scroll back through it and check out stuff there. So that's, I'm there. Um, I'm just becoming a little more active on Instagram where I'm sharing some more poetry. Yeah. So I'm at Joseph Dapasano there. Um, and and uh, and yeah, other than that, my website josephasano.net kind of guides people to where to find my books, where to find um, you know I have an album of songs that came out uh, over a year ago now I think, and uh, and I also as I've mentioned a few times I I do some some courses especially during the summer where um, I do I do some of my um, university level uh, poetry instruction I do for for people uh, in in any walk of life, and I'm thinking about picking up a few more uh, independent students as well so I'm, I'll make announcements on that about well, if, you know you... about that on social media <laughs> I think I think that's about it I think we've we've said everything we could possibly say <laughs> all right Joseph uh, you have you have a good night and um, everybody else out there you have a good night good morning and, and whatever else time you listen to this <laughs> thanks again Michael I'll talk to you soon okay yeah. yes sir thank you